I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cornetto. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boy says he can eat... Hello and welcome to a jam-packed spool podcast where we'll be looking at some of the big and small films of note uh, in cinemas at the moment and over the next couple of weeks. Um... So we're going to kick off with Isle of Dogs, we'll have Michael Inside, Ready Player One, Journeyman, Wonderstruck, Tomb Raider, You Are Never Really Here, The Square, we're going to talk about Rampage, the new Avengers film, it's good, so if none of those things uh, take your fancy then maybe go and uh, load up a different podcast. Uh, slightly mad weekend that we're recording this with so much in cinema, we are very excited about A Quiet Place, but we haven't seen it yet, there's also BPM, Love Simon, Ghost Stories, Thoroughbreds. Blockers, John Cena, all this stuff. It's kind of the start of summer blockbuster, is it? April? Star- yeah, but also the end of like, oh crap, we've got the, there's no blockbuster out this weekend. Let's try to push out our... Everything before the Avengers comes out. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's where we're at. Um, but we're going to kick off with a little bit of our friend Wes. Turpentine brandy. It cools the head and warms the dog bones. It may snow tonight. Really? Thank you very much. Wow. To whom it may concern. She sees the future. Ah, no. She understands TV. (coughs) You seek a dog named Spots. Dog Zero. Dog Zero. So there we had a clip from Isle of Dogs' new Wes Anderson film, which opened about a week ago. And yeah, I had big fanfare for this, was looking forward to it for a while. Um, it's a As always, you're the man, as we look to our left here, you've got the Wes Anderson, literally got the Wes Anderson textbook on your shelf. Yeah, um, big fan. And it concerns, uh, it's set in Japan and dogs have kind of been outlawed because of a dog flu. They're sent to this island, garbage island, and it becomes Isle of Dogs. And... A wee boy who is the ward. I like the way they kind of brought that back. That seems very old-fashioned. He was the ward of his the mayor of the area, and um, he goes to the island to find his dog because he wants to bring him back. And a search is kind of involved. And Greta Gerwig plays the character of. She's like a foreign exchange student, and she kind of gets behind it and was like, "There's something fishy going on here," which we kind of find out there is. But the interesting thing is you can't understand anybody who speaks Japanese. Yes. Uh, you can only understand the dogs. Or the English, English translator yeah. or English speaking characters in it. Yes. Interesting move. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Because apparently there has been some kickback about it. it's a bit stereotypical against yeah. Japanese people. I ended, up, I ended up reading some of these pieces. So I don't know. Do you know the band Car Seat Headrest? You've, you know about them now anyway, but they're a well-known indie band. But um the guy, frontman of that, just I kind of liked his quote here because uh, this is what he wrote uh, on so, on social media. It is an infuriatingly bad film. I am infuriated. It is specifically designed to be alienating and inappropriate for kids and racist, and it's a joyless kids film. And he says it's the first bad Wes Anderson film. This is a really smart guy. So he's a kind of like an academic oh, musician okay. who I really like. So I saw this before I saw the film. Um, Everyone kind of says about Wes Anderson films that they are they always look great, but they're a bit dead in emotion. A bit shallow, yeah. yeah. Which I kind of have never signed up to until now 
whereby I find, yeah, the film looks amazing, it's fantastic, it's still funny and stuff, but I didn't kind of care about any of the characters. I think it's tough because the kid, um, Atari, speaks in... You can't understand him, so it's yeah. hard to kind of relate to him. And then there's too many dog characters for there to be any depth in their stories. Like with, with a bit of the, like, you've got Brian Cranston being the lead voice there, but you've got Jeff Goldblum, Bob Balaban, uh, Bill Murray, does it? Ed Norton. Well. Ed Norton. Um, you know, like, so it's, it's a lot just, of the, it's yeah. huge. And there's loads of small, tiny wee characters. Like, there's a love story between... Um, I actually thought the, I thought the, the, the boy-dog dynamic, I really clicked with it. I thought okay. the friendship thing, I did actually buy into it. Yeah into that I cared about them there's a story between Chief and Nutmeg and it's only for They're about two of the dogs. four scenes and it, you're supposed to buy into this whole oh they really dig each other because it kind of comes up at the end that they've become an item spoiler and mm. you're like okay don't really care and there's no real sense of you know menace or but again it looks fantastic but i just kind of it's kind of a theme that i think is going to run through a lot of the films we talk about here mm-hmm. where it was just hard to care about that's a bit cold by it yeah 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 i like i say i kind of clicked a fair bit with the with the relationships in it i liked the stop motion animation and seeing that on the big screen is always a treat because a lot of us grew up seeing um what's his name morph and then wallace and gromit and stuff mm. like that so anytime it's done and done well, there's sort of an attraction to me. But yeah, I would I would admit there's a bit of coldness. I thought the production design and the graphic design, all that does make it worthwhile. Like I think I think I went with like giving it a three and a half out of five or something. Mm. But there was a piece a couple of weeks ago that um some of us sent around and we had it in a in a WhatsApp group. You know the stuff that cool people <laughs> yeah, share around yeah. in WhatsApp groups? <laughs> like film lists and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um that's a that's a topical legal reference. Um, so we're just they, they ranked all the Wes Anderson films, and yeah. what, you remember what was at the bottom? So the Darjeeling Limited is apparently the worst, which yeah. I completely disagree. That with. That was nonsense. And do you remember the best? Oh, um, Royal Tenenbaums. Was it Royal Tenenbaums? I think it was Royal Tenenbaums, or maybe Grand Budapest, Rushmore, uh, Bottle Rocket, but um, Grand Budapest might have been the top five but yeah yeah it was a weird list and i completely disagreed with it and yeah anyway they slapped uh isle of dogs right down the middle of it yeah um so yeah so it's a little bit of an slightly empty vacuous experience but one i took a bit out i love there's a bit in it um when you go see it the reporter played by greta gerwig the kind of kid reporter goes and talks to the assistant scientist to the guy who's trying to find an antidote for the dog flu and she's like come on Yoko Ono son and I was like oh that's kind of funny then I looked up IMTP when I went home and it's actually the voice of Yoko Ono who does it and I was like that's brilliant yeah so it's yeah it's a film like that that there's more little fun bits but rather than the sum of its parts mm. is Tilda Swinton plays this you would have heard the clip at the start like Tilda Swinton plays that wee pug who everyone thinks she's an oracle, but she can just understand the TV. Oh, yeah, she just watch the telly, yeah. Anyway, um, that's in cinemas everywhere and is, uh, yeah, it's out there to be seen. It's out in America in about two weeks' time, I think. Oh. Um, so we got ahead of it. Uh, second up this month is a film that's just out this weekend that, um, it's no surprise to anyone that I am a huge fan of. It's an Irish film from director Frank Berry called Michael Inside. So this, to anyone who doesn't know, played the Galway Film Fla last July and has kind of been ticking along quietly then. It won the IFTA for Best Irish Film, I think, in February. And then it's finally now available to 
you know, the members of the public to see. So, um, you're on the poster. I'm on, I'm on the poster. You'll see me on a bus. I got stopped in work and someone's like, oh, I saw you on the, on the bus. And I was like, I don't get the bus. I cycle. And he's like, <laughs> no, literally on the bus. So it was kind of fun. So anyway, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a prison drama, but it's, it's set. I guess it's more than a prison drama though, because it's much kind of a psychological decimation of how you kind of feel and everything that's yeah. You might take a bit from the trailer just to give a sense. There's no actual clip online that we're able to push out, but this is just, this gives you a bit of the mood, I guess. So we'll, we'll listen to this. I won't be as bad as you think. It will. <laughs> you made a mistake. Stay away, Mel. I'm sorry. That's a bit late now, wasn't it? You'll have to toughen up, Michael. Just keep your head down and you'll be okay. So, um... Yeah, so yeah. that's that's it gives you a bit of a sense of it. So Michael Healy is played by Daffod Flynn, and he's a a guy. I think he's he's just turned maybe eighteen, nineteen. So he's tried as an adult, and he's he's sent to prison for three months. Um, and for it, he kind of is he's supposed passing to be on a bag drugs, of drugs. Yeah, but so, the guards raid his house while he has the drugs, so yeah. he's kind of done for that. Yeah, which is which is bad luck. So he ends up going in into jail, and his father, his grandfather, um, Francis, is played by Lawler Roddy. Um, drug dealers come to his house and threaten him and explain that you know they look after michael inside if you know if if he mm. if he, he needs the money because basically the drugs were confiscated so it's just like you better pay us for those drugs kind of thing yeah and then when michael is inside uh he kind of befriends or befriend is maybe too it's strong kind of mentor yeah he almost gets sucked into it mentored a bit yeah played yeah. by mo dunford um who's fantastic again in this um and then it's it reminded me a lot of did you watch the night of yeah so it's kind of that where it's just like how you might get sent for something but like how prison is a terrible place because it's really flawed and you'll come out worse than when you went in and it can yeah. ruin your life and then you yeah and probably that thing of it's it's you know it's easy to get sent to prison but it's very hard to get out of prison and it's even mm. harder to stay out yeah like it's in out. no way a rehabilitation thing it's just yeah. like a total fix yeah so there's a few fix. things that i remember really clicked with me like prison feels very real like to like and i i they they worked with a lot of former prisoners where they talked it's a pathways program where um this is where prisoners go through this rehabilitation they they talk and there's that, that kind of process so frank berry worked with a lot of them in trying to work on the realism of it and then he also said that that dynamic between uh children and grandparents is fat is was really worth highlighting because in the in some working class communities or areas with social disadvantage and stuff the parents aren't on the scene for whatever reason so grandparents become pivotal and end up yeah play a very large role yeah so um i just remember feeling like absolutely like i've been punched in the gut after seeing it and like it's such a sense of dread and horror and but all masked in this incredibly strong social realist sort of Mm. base so um really clicked with me and uh yeah so I get I give it the five. Mm. And it's finally in the cinema, so now yeah. everyone can see it. Yeah. You got to see it a couple of months ago as well. This mm. this has played at a couple of different festivals and previews since. Yeah. So I thought it's very good. Like the performances are all fantastic. The kind of uh, I guess I'd set it up as Portis Grace film. Yeah, ever. and you do kind of you did see it at the premiere of it in Galway with the whole cast and everything. So there is always like an added bonus for that, I think. Um so yeah, no, it is very good, but I think it's just quite uh 
it isn't anything that we haven't seen before really yeah. like it's just portrayed very well and the character actors are good so for that like it's it's a good film but it didn't didn't kind of blow me away yeah yeah anyway available in lots of different cinemas around dublin and around the country from this weekend so get to see that michael inside uh, next up, the polar opposite film. I don't think we could I actually feel like we might actually talk about Journeyman a bit better rather than jump into <laughs> what I was going to jump into. Yeah. Um, so I'm yet to see Journeyman, but I love a good boxing film. So uh, this is one you'd like to. Yeah. So this came out a couple of weeks ago and it's Paddy Constantine's new film. Um, he directed Tyrannosaur and you'd kind of know him from he's kind of a, like a, a stock English actor now. Great renown. He turned up in Peaky Blinders and then he was in... Um, He's kind of he was in End of the World and Hot Fuzz, but he didn't make mm-hmm. an appearance in Baby Driver. Um, so he's a fantastic director. Tyrannosaur is really good, and this is his new film where he plays um a boxer who is kind of it's a bit of a Rocky where he's going back for one last fight to he won the title based on a points decision, so he's going back to kind of finally put the dog to rest and. Uh, you know, I am deserving of this title. Is he playing his age? Like, is he someone? He is kind of. Yeah, he'd yeah, be early forties. Like, yeah, and uh, he's playing a much younger man. And the fight goes well; he wins. But then, when he comes home, he kind of has a stroke or something happens, and then it cuts to him coming out of hospital with a massive uh, scar on the side of his head and shaved head, and he's quite debilitated. He can't. He can't remember things. He's he's. You know, it kind of, I don't ever think it really goes into if it was like a stroke or a coma or a brain swell. Um, but it's then really, then that's when the film kicks off where it's how his road to recovery happens. Uh, he gets very angry at different times and it's the dynamic of his wife uh, played by Jodie Whittaker, who's amazing in this. So it's it's a really emotional, it's quite a sad film um, at times. And uh, there's one scene in particular that's just amazing. Um, really stays with you. So I kind of I saw this as part of the film f- film yeah, festival last the Audi month. Dublin yeah. International Film Festival that was destroyed by the snow. Um, so Paddy was actually supposed to be it, but he couldn't come because of the snow. He was kind of stranded in Scotland, and uh, it's a really really fantastic film. I give it the full five stars. So if you can, I would go see it. Yeah, I think it's no, it's not playing anywhere in Dublin at the moment, but it may come back for a thing and will be available on demand. It's the kind of one that you'll probably get on your yeah. Volta, your BFI player, your Curzon, wherever you're getting mm-hmm. your on demand film. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, so I will now jump in and I'm really on Ready Player One. So this again has been out a week. Um, Steven Spielberg is a director. He's gone back on the Coke, but it's mostly Coca-Cola and Skittles, I think. Because um, he pretends, basically pretends, in, in, I guess, uh, what would you say? He he goes back to being a 14-year-old, I feel, and he just in, indulges in this 1980s tribute. He's um, almost Halliday, you would think. Yeah, I think he thinks Halliday meets Steve Jaws type of thing. So we are going. There's going to be a couple of spoilers in this little segment. So if you haven't seen this film and you plan to see it, um, maybe skip forward maybe four or five minutes. But uh, the film's set in 2045, and 18 year old Wade Watts, played by Ty Sheridan, who we'd know from Mud and a few films like that, has been spending most of his time inside a virtual reality video game world it's not really it's not really a space or a, yeah it's or a called game. the oasis yeah and it's called the oasis so it's, it's kind of nightclub it's not the nightclub in carrick and cross <laughs> um but uh the game's creator james halliday uh played by mark rylands who's kind of a a weird uh sort of steve jobsy figure except he's without almost the like steve jobs spin. and wozniaki yeah mixed, mixed in one in with a bit of the bill gates but in a with a childlike imagination thrown in so 
uh, he he dies, but before he dies, he hides three secrets, or as we call them, Easter eggs, inside the game. It came out Easter weekend, by the way. I think this is complete Yeah, was that intentional? I wonder. No idea. I thought yeah. it was really weird. But uh, inside the game, and whoever manages to find them uh, takes control of the company and the world. So mm. it's kind of a very simple enough premise, and it's based off a book, but... Uh, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn plays head of of a corporation who He's tries to sort of stop this being a game, and he t- tries to just put like lots and lots of people on the project of finding the thing, so as he can, you know, turn it into a commodity and make some commercial. Yeah, whereas Ty Sheridan is kind of a loner per person living yeah. in the slums who's trying to do it himself. Yeah, and then he manages to find the first key, and then that kicks everything into yeah. gear because it's like, oh crap. We'll take a little bit from uh, from the film where this is just um, James Halliday sort of setting up the scene. Three hidden challenges test for worthy trades. Revealing three hidden keys to three magic gates. And those with the skill to survive these traits. We'll reach the end. Where the prize awaits. Let the hunt begin. So yeah, you get a little bit of a sense of it from that. And the entire thing is a complete homage to the 80s. And so if you're... Kind of so if it's you've set liked, in what twenty forty five, which makes very little sense because yeah. this is like sixty years after the heyday of the eighties. Yes, when Mark Halliday dies, so it's more like us being obsessed with the nineteen twenties or thirties, which yeah, a wartime memorabilia. We like war films, probably, but yeah. Anyway, so if you're into the way that the this era has been um, glorified and celebrated in Stranger Things and it. Um, and the Goldbergs, even, even from Bridget the and Eamon, Bridget yeah. and Eamon, you know, the 1980s. So we, some of us do love this era and stuff. And uh, yeah, the posters are the ultimate, like, kind of play on that era of, and everyone hated There the was a whole, uh, it wasn't the current season of South Park, it was the one before where it was more focusing on Star Wars coming back. And there was um, kind of like Ribena berries going around uh, and there were, were called member berries just like oh remember Chewbacca and remember Star Wars that was great remember this and remember that it's all I could think of when I saw the poster for this but Mm. anyway did you like it uh I thought it was fine I didn't despise it like some people did and like before I came out people are like oh is this Spielberg's greatest film it's just like no No, it's not better than Jaws is it as good as Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List No. no is it better than the BFG and Tintin Probably. Probably. Yeah. But like what really annoyed me about it is this. It's a thing that goes on constantly nowadays where it's like being nostalgic for something that you've no right to be nostalgic for. Mm-hmm. And it's even more ridiculous, as you point out in this film, because it's like 60 years past all of that. Yeah. It's like, you remember when everybody went nuts because it was going to be an all female Ghostbusters cast? Mm. And mo- the most people who were going nuts, it was like, you weren't even alive when the yeah. first Ghostbusters came exactly out. Exactly. So, no, I mean, I enjoy that. And so big spoiler. Uh, the sequence in it where they pay tribute to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Like that is, as a cinematic experience, you're like, I don't, I think, I, I thought it was very interesting. That, that, uh, as they walked in, me. I was like, are they doing this? Are they actually doing this walk through the Overlook Hotel? And I was like, 
okay, they are. Like, that is the yeah. most insane thing we'll see in yeah. cinema all does year. Does Spielberg kind of, because he did AI, does he somehow have some sweetheart deal where he basically owns, he can just do what he wants to Stanley yeah, Kubrick I, stuff? I don't know what, I'm, I've done very, I've been busy and haven't read, yeah. but I mean, I want to read a bit about the insider story of how you put together that yeah. kind of thing. And, um, and it's only 12 A, I think. I was amazed yeah. that it had such a low rating. Yeah, so you've got that. There's a bit with Chucky. He pays, yeah, he pays tribute to James Cameron by doing the Terminator thumbs up. Um, it was one of his other... And also, the majority of the film, which I didn't realise, I don't know if it was in the trailer, is all, like, Avatar. Uh, yeah, so it's, like, ja- it's James Cameron, Stanley Kubrick, Spielberg, and then George Lucas, kind of a bit of a nod. I think they've taken away from the book a lot of the E.T. And Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, with the whole ending. Oh, yeah, yes, it becomes that as well. So, um, was the Simon thing, Peg, a surprise? I knew that straight away. They do that big reveal at the end, and you're like... Why that he this? was the butler. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was like, there's Simon Pegg exactly... doing an English accent. I was just like, right, he's the butler. Cool. Oh, did you know his voice? Oh, no, I didn't yeah. get it from the voice, but I wasn't surprised. I, was yeah, like the, I don't know. Um, but a good supporting cast. And unlike kind of any other film you'll you'll see, like in no, terms but of it's a, the way... I think way it's a really but, horrible, sinister mishmash and just the cash-in, like, you know? Yeah, but I, I think the audience isn't really... I'm fascinated because the audience isn't really cashing in on something that they've any right to want to cash in on. So why feel the need to throw in all these... Like, the Iron Giant is not something that people have any real nostalgia for, but it's cool to see it in a film. I so, know. And I thought it was very close to actual gaming culture and the feeling of all yeah. that. So I do think... And I suppose I kind of have gone away from that to a degree. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. I, I saw it in I'm not in Twitch. 3D. No, yeah, you're not... <laughs> You're not streaming everything. Um, I saw it in IMAX 3D, and so I'm giving it was it a, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like as I said, second, the start of it was cool because I saw. W- w- I just saw it in normal 2D, but I saw the start, and I was like, "Oh, this would probably be cool in 3D." Yeah. So the big chase sequence when Godzilla and the T Rex, possibly from Jurassic Park, uh, attack. It was very cool. Um, but yeah, the latter part of it, and the bit from the other clip where he's doing his line. About, like, come together, seat me here in, like, Doom, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not into that. So it's very cheesy, but, I mean, what can I say? Shamelessly, it was quite enjoyable. So um, out of five, Ian, the two? Three, three, I think. Because it, it's not, right. like, it looks great and everything, but it just kind of more so made me a bit sad. Yeah. We might flip another blockbuster that's actually a lot better um, is uh, one that's been out about two weeks and had no right to be as good as I thought it was. Um, but this is Tomb Raider, so Alicia Vikander is... Um, a really really good performance as Lara Croft this is a reboot of the film which doesn't feel like it was that long ago but it was actually 17 years yeah, ago yeah I saw that when I was doing the notes for this 2001 yeah and there was a sequel to it that I don't know if, I don't remember anything about there being a sequel but um, she's very good in it I've played the recent games so uh, the Tomb Raider reboot from 2013 and then oh. Tomb Raider um, Revelate what's it, what the fuck is it called sorry uh are her boobs still big or have the cop gone no, and more, normal? It's much more uh, realistic now. Rise of the Tomb Raider. That was it. Sorry. Uh, it was the 2013 one. And then, yeah, the other one. Oh, anyway, this, none of this matters. Um, So very, very, very good. Dominic West is in it. So Dominic and, West is her dad and he's disappeared and she's yeah. kind of lost. I never really kind of knew. That, is that, does that does the backstory hold up with the games? No, they, they, the dad, I don't think really. Okay, so it's the dad is rich. 
They were all rich. He a lot of that does. But oh, okay. yeah, the whole the way he's back for a bit and they yeah. do all that, I don't think. So he's gone lost on an island and she goes to try and find him to see if he's still alive before she signs over saying, yeah, he's dead. And once she does that, she gets all his money and his inheritance. So then she goes to the island and it kind of then turns into what, like an Indiana Jones film, really? Yeah, but pretty much. Like, and which is what the games were always meant to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely knows that. There's no kind of errors or graces about it, but it looks great. Um, there's Walt, Walton Goggins, who was in um, The Hateful Eight, is in it. He plays. Oh, yeah. the, he kind of plays the, the bad guy. Yeah, and, and he's good he's, in that. Ah, yeah. No, it's an incredibly stupid film, but it's very well done. And again, seen it on the big screen. But she's fantastic. As the heart and soul of the film, like yeah. her, her look, her energy, and her, just her kind of poise... They kind of fall Fantastic. in a bit to the they set it up for the end, uh, what the next film will be if it comes out, whereby the main, one of the characters in it, you're like, you're a bit big to be uh, a bit part in this. Chris and Scott Thomas. Yeah. yeah. And then it turns out, oh, she's actually seemingly the head of an yeah. evil organization. Trinity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Anna, whatever. So, um, cool. So that's also, we're, yeah, we're digging that. Um, Wonderstruck is another film that is out uh, this weekend, so this is from Todd Haynes. It's uh, played at Cannes last year. Um, it's follow up to his last film, Carol, and stars, uh, well, which, you know, as we know, starred Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and Sarah Paulson. This is a very different kind of film. It's told with two different kind of parallel narratives one set in 1927, one set in 1977. Um, and they're kind of linked thematically with all these sort of similar things. Um, in the 1977 one where we start, which again is lots of retro uh, stuff, um, he the, 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 there's a young boy and he his dad isn't on the scene. He's obsessed by that and he's struck by lightning and goes deaf. So you're dealing with this as a film dealing with deafness. And then we go back to 1927 and again, a 12-year-old deaf girl uh, who escapes from her house. And this is all done in black and white with just music. So there's no very little dialogue at the um, in that sense, it's done like a silent film. And so it's shot like that. So the same cinematographer, Edward Lockman, who did Carol and does works at Todd Haynes all the time. So the 1927 stuff looks like that. And then 1977 looks like a Robert Altman, lovely, lush kind of oh, film cool. kind of colour. So again, <laughs> the weird things like that that appeal to me about Todd Haynes films. But also, um, it's very good. The, the There's a couple of audio descriptive and subtitled versions of this <laughs> film that are playing in the IFI and stuff like that. So... Um, it's good for the deaf community to kind of see. It's not a patch on Carol, but it's it's a very nice film and kind of stays with you. And the way stuff is joined together is sort of you'll either buy into it. Like it's not a surprise if I tell you the 1927 1977 narratives align in a certain <gasps> way, and there's coincidence. So um, yeah, but good, good worth seeing. It's sadly going to be lost completely in the mix because it's yeah. like the the sixth or seventh or eighth worthwhile film that's actually coming out this weekend so if you can see it or and again, it's definitely see it on more so going to be in the art house films is it yeah, Certainly yeah. In Sydney world. yeah i think the ifi may well be the only place to have it which is kind of kind of sad but i'm not sure yeah. um okay so if we go on and talk about you were never really here yeah um, this also could be gone well i see no this is i don't playing. actually think this came out because it was only no it did it did colin and i saw this in oh yeah sorry, the lighthouse. so this is actually yeah this is still playing in the ifi in the lighthouse so. yeah so you got to see it in no you missed it in the film festival did yeah you? missed Call, everything um, in the film yeah festival. so uh it's directed by uh lynn ramsey and 
um, stars Joaquin Phoenix, who is kind of an ex-Vietnam vet. Not the, Vietnam, sorry, like Iraq, Afghanistan yeah, vet. Came the same day as his performance as Jesus as well. So it's just fun. Very and good. Mary Magdalene. And um, he is somebody who kind of, you wouldn't call him a mercenary. He just kind of is somebody you contact if you want somebody rescued or stuff like that. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's kind of like a hitman fixer. And, uh, yeah, but a good guy. Wanna, yeah, but with with a willingness to for revenge to go to go dark. So the film is only about ninety minutes. I don't even know if it comes in at ninety minutes, and it's incredibly quick. It's really like fast paced. It uh, we see him kind of doing a job at the start, and then a senator gets in touch with him to explain that his daughter has gone missing. And yeah, he's in like, is it Milwaukee or some of these kind mm. of mid-level American cities? So, so he's American. pretty sure that she's at this house and um, it's, you know, kind of nefarious, uh, pedophile kind of Yeah, the stuff teenage, going on. she's a young yeah. daughter and it's kind of like... So then he goes and he's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. And then he kind of gets involved in this whole other underground side of it where it's like, the kids are kind of traded with each other and there's an element of you don't really know what's going on. It kind of all makes sense towards the end, but it's intercut with this really violent flashbacks to his past. It's really a violent film, even though it's kind of showing off screen, it still kind of leaves a mark on you. And I was struck. I had happened to see a documentary about Psycho that was on BBC Two a week before, and it was all just about the shower scene in it. And how, like, Psycho changed the whole face of basically modern horror. And to me, this film is really a horror film. And especially there's a scene when Joaquin Phoenix goes to the, the what do you call it, the, the house. It then cuts yeah. to the CCTV cameras. And I was like, this is really weird. This is kind of like a horror film. And there's a total nod to Psycho when he is cleaning up after himself. And um, he cleans the blood and flushes it down the toilet. And you see the blood soaked rag going down because they reference this in the Psycho documentary. This is what they do. And I was like, oh, it was like one of the first times you saw a toilet on screen, which is also referenced in the conversation, the Gene Hackman film, which was a nod to Psycho because in that, when he flushes the toilet, a blood soaked rag comes back up from the toilet. So um, I think the film is more a horror film and there was nods to Psycho in it and stuff. And I think you could argue it's a certain, you know, it's and a thrillery horror music. Johnny Greenwood does the music and it's as much about the mood and the, like, yeah, the, you're just on meant to be on the edge of your seat feeling like you want to. But again, it kind of left me a bit reserved and I didn't like, I didn't like it as much as we need to talk about Kevin. I don't think it's as, as well thought out or as well put together film. Um, I think Colm, when he went to see it at the film festival, the director was saying that we only had him for a certain amount of time and, you know, Joaquin. I ha- yeah. So they had to be very. So it structured. seemed to be very rushed and kind of stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah, I would kind of agree on everything. Like I was, gl- I was very much glad I saw it and really good performance from there. But it did feel a little bit weirdly put together. And I mean, it the story is spread across a kind of a twenty four hour period. Yeah, or dare to. Yeah, and we saw a Good Time last year, the fantastic film from Benny Safdie and Josh Safdie. Do you remember last year mm. Robert Pattinson that you was it in your top yeah, ten or yeah, my top ten? Uh-huh. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, that I was kind of thinking about that, and I was like, this isn't a patch on that because no, with that I was genuinely thrilled and exhilarated, and that didn't try to do any of the the complex flashbacks. Or anything yeah, like that. yeah. Whereas this loses a bit of the momentum. And you're kind so of like, oh, to... right, it's a soldier who's suffering post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Right, we get that. So anyway, but you'd still recommend it, but it's certainly, it's been such a long time mm. 
since Lynn Ramsey did, we need to talk about Kevin, and she had all the other thing with that. Jane, Jane got a gun. Jane got a gun thing. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see one other one then that I haven't seen that you wanted to raise oh yeah kind of the square it's from director Ruben Ostland who did Force Majeure uh, mm. a year or two ago and um, it's a bit of a like it's almost like a series of sketches combined under the auspices of uh, uh, art curator so there's a new performance called the square that comes and there's a whole ethos behind it that if you're in the square it's a safe space but it's kind of getting behind him and the various kind of goings on in a modern art gallery, but also is quite a commentary on, I'm pretty sure it's set in Sweden, on the homelessness crisis in Sweden and immigration and all these different things. So there's like five or six, seven things kind of vying for your attention in it. Um, so certain bits of it kind of don't work and fall flat, but there are some like amazing standout bits in it. There's one where... Um, Terry Notary, who is Oleg, it's an installation that's in the gallery, but he plays, you'll have seen it from the trailer where he kind of goes mm. like a gorilla. Yeah. And there's a scene oh, yeah. where he comes into, posters, yeah, he yeah. comes into the dinner and that's like a 15 minute scene and it is phenomenal. Um, Dominic West is also in that. He kind of yeah. plays an artist and... Um, <laughs> it's in Tomb Raider come out the same day as so. well. Love when that happens. So it's, yeah, it's very good. It's, it's worthwhile. I'd say it'll be gone from a lot of places, but I think when I was looking for a clip from it, the, the like 14, 15 minute um, gorilla scene is actually on YouTube. So that's one worth kind of. Yeah. It's on, if it's you out on Blu ray now as well, if you wish to just. Oh, and a, a funny thing I thought was that Terry Notary, who plays the gorilla, was the motion for Kong in Skull Island. You know, the way Andy Circus does a lot of stuff? Yeah. He's seemingly the other kind of go to guy. I love it. I love it. Um, so, yeah, we've. we've between one thing and another, we've had a bit of a mental couple of weeks, so we've had to cram a lot in. Lots to do. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, but in those couple of weeks, we've got a film um, coming out very soon that I think you're really excited by. Uh, yeah, it's going to be... your favourite actor. Yeah, The Rock. Yeah. Uh, he's good following Instagram. I, I just love his energy. The film would probably be pants, but I just love the nonsense of it. I think it knows it's pants, though. I think it's a very important thing. This isn't like, say, you mentioned Kong, Skull Island or anything that kind of has theories like rampage looks like a ridiculous film and you're like oh they're gonna just bigger gorilla now and an alligator and then they just do this joke so i'm very excited by it um yeah. that's out april 11th and then i'm gonna say the big one although to be honest i bet you it'll make less money than black panther would you um, think i think so it's full of white people though i know but exactly but black panther is i think the third highest grossing uh, film ever is it the mo- is it possibly the biggest in in the US now at this stage? Mm. As he loads up box office mojo. Um. Anyway, the Avengers is it going to be like four hours long? It looks like it's it two thirty, right? So again, there's looks to be from my reading of this, and again, I do enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it looks to be about three separate narratives, and you're trying to work out when each of them will interact. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Thor bit will maybe only be at the beginning and the end. Okay. And then a lot of it seems to take place in Wakanda, where Black Panther was. Yeah. So I don't really know. Um, yeah, and is it the one? Is it the first of three Affinity War things, or...? Uh, I think like so they're hardly going to get it wrapped part. up all in. Oh, yeah, okay. no, this is a kind of a two-part, and uh, Josh Brolin is uh, Thanos, and... Which is amusing because he's also in Deadpool. Oh, I, I kind of... No, he is in Deadpool. Are you sure it's him in Infinity War? Yeah, he did the voice in it. So. I thought the guy in Infinity War kind of looked like uh, the guy from... What do you call it? Breaking Bad? 
Yeah. No, it's it's apparently all fine. And uh, Kevin Feig has said it's cool. Um, he's the guy behind this whole world. So I don't know. Brilliant. Uh, so that's coming out the end of April. Yeah. So this is kind of why the blockbuster season almost now is starting in April. Yeah. Yeah, which is tough. So that's the 26th of April, and we'll all be there opening that. And look, the, they make films unlike any other. I did enjoy Thor a lot. I've enjoyed The Last Guardians of the Galaxy. The second Captain America film is probably the best of this world that I kind of like. And then, Do you not like so the yeah. Black Panther thing, you racist? No? Um, I did enjoy it a lot. Uh, yeah, no, but again, my judgment, because I had like a six-week-old baby seeing it, and it was my first film seen by myself, I'm like, I really enjoyed it, but I'm like, was it actually any good? I think it was. Mm. I enjoyed it more than you. Yeah. Um, I think. And I just thought the storytelling was quite pedestrian and wasn't that shocking or anything. Yeah, but I just think in terms of what the film meant to a lot of communities, I think it's brilliant. You know, and I was in Oakland in the summer, so like I'm kind of into all that. And you probably skipped. So uh, anyway, there are two big, big films. We're just going to wrap up with uh, a little scene it clip, which um, is one I was kind of trying to think of some smaller films that are coming out in the next while. So Marco Rowe, who wrote not so it's Mark O'Ro, not Marco Rowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote Intermission. Um, one of the most successful Irish films ever, and better than the guard and all these kind of things and yeah. people often label it with the same like Irish films can be funny but anyway so his new film The Delinquent Season did it play Adif? No it got cancelled oh, but okay. it got rescheduled so I'm actually going to see it oh cool okay yeah, so it's rescheduled as what? the oh, film festival Adif kind of because all the cast are going to be there or maybe it'll be like the, the premiere, premiere then? could so, be the premiere because so anyway, when does it come out? do you have the date there now? Uh, I did yeah so it's out in the IFI this is um, Colin Farrell's uh, sort of I don't know like one of his sort of big screen moments where you're sort of like oh he can do anything can't he so yeah um, April 25th is when it's in is its premiere is that the one you're going oh, to oh yeah 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 yeah. so basically this so maybe it comes out that Friday the screening into the premiere oh okay which is cool I suppose so the, anyway I, yeah I think it's like that that uh, Friday uh, April 27th so um, Killian Murphy is in it and uh, two couples appear content in their middle-class Dublin lives, rewarding jobs, good work-life balance, um, happy kids, entertaining uh, friends. It's about me. What? Uh, cracks begin to appear when Jim and Danielle discover that Yvonne and Chris are having problems. Ooh. So anyway, screenwriter Marco wrote, this is his first film to direct. So I don't know. I think it looks really, really good. But we're going to... Stellar cast. You know. So it's going to... Anyway... Come out then. We're going to have a listen now to Colin Farrell from Intermission, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Oh, yeah. We've been around the block. Really? Believe it. Sold me oats, acted a rip, the rap scallion. Uh-huh. Ran wild, ran free. Cost us all back in the days of yore. Right. You wouldn't think it's luck at you. Yeah, well, time comes. You have to leave behind the old Hellraiser man. Take some responsibility for your life. Prepare the groundwork. How'd you do that? Well, to begin with, I'd say by nest building. You have to find an abode you feel secure in. Then you have to furnish that abode. Procure the necessaries, furniture, etc. Kitchen utensils, your work, your juices. What about love? Well, love's not something you can plan for, is it? I mean, look all you like as long as you like, but it's only when you let your guard down. When you least expect. That you find someone, yeah. Take myself, for example. You ever seen me before? No. I'm just some fella's ambled in, right? But who's to say by tomorrow you and me couldn't, and I'm not coming on to your land? 
But who's to say we couldn't be head over heels, huh? Bouncing on the ground. Nobody. Why? Because when there's something there... Some chemistry. Right. Who knows where the sparks have laid? And if I look myself, a stranger, could just be a bit of fun in the sack. No more than that. Or, or, and it's not that crazy. You're so me. Huh? Yeah, you've got a point. Other hand, I could just be a thief or something. What do you mean? Some villain, just waiting for me chance to... <laughs> Smack your jaw and rob the register where the place is empty. This is the thing of it, see? You just never know. What's gonna happen? Come here to me. Look at your top. How many fucking times do I have to tell you, huh? It's all over you. Beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.